up, Lit and Lucid podcast fans? This is uh, Jared and Lucy here with Lit and Lucid, episode number 11, recording live from the Mile High as always. Um, for First of all, I just want to thank everybody, all of our fans and all of our guests. We have maxed out at 10 episodes, um, and we just hit 500 listens on Anchor and all of our different uh, platforms, iTunes, um, we'll be on Pocket Cast, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, a bunch of them. So thank you all for that because without your support, we would not be doing this. And obviously you guys are supporting us, us enough to where we just keep them rolling and um, we look forward to many more episodes. So with that though, we, we're stepping our game up. We're going to make this show a little more lit and as we keep building it, we're going to need your help and support, and you tell us what you want to hear about, and we will do the digging on our end and get people in front of you so you learn. So if you have anything specific you want to talk about, shoot us an email, litlucidpodcast at gmail.com. Um, this episode on this round, we're going to get back to the basics, and we're going to do some uh, cannabis 101 educating. Um, what do you think, Lucy? Yeah, so I think that for this episode, we're going to go back to Cannabis 101 and go over some basic terminology in regards to cannabis, um, because I think that here in Denver, we get kind of caught up in our own little bubble of things and just assume that everybody knows what we're talking about when they might not. We might also have viewers here from out of state in non-legalized states as well. So what we want to do is kind of just go back to the basics touch base on some important terms that you should understand, terms and concepts, uh, just to make you a more educated consumer and user um, for the future. Yeah. I think it was back in episode one, we talked about this a little bit, and that uh, knowledge is power. And so that is our whole goal here at Lit and Lucid, is to give you the power to be a better consumer, a better business owner, a better entrepreneur, and a better millennial in person altogether. So... Hopefully everybody can pull something powerful from this episode and use it to uh, benefit their life. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. All right. So with that said, we're just going to start with the very basics. So we have the cannabis plant and it's compounded of hundreds. Um, how many? Over a hundred cannabinoids, correct? They keep finding more and more. More and more, more right. So There's so many. 120. I think I've seen some places that are like 140 cannabinoids now. Right. So what is a cannabinoid? Right. So, yeah. So you most likely are going to hear about THC and now a little bit more about CBD. Mm-hmm. So let's start with THC and kind of explain what that is. THC, the big one, the big scary one, the one that has given cannabis its bad rap for all these years. So what is it? Tetrahydro. What is it? Tetrahydrocannabinol. Cannabinol. Cannabinol. <laughs> so you can't even say it right. So we can't even say that. Tetra 9 is a better... Delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol. <laughs> so that is the uh, psychoactive form of... Or the cannabinoid present in cannabis. I'm pretty sure there's not another psychoactive form. Everything else is non-psychoactive. Um, meaning that it can't alter your state of consciousness to a point to where it's going to affect... You know, your judgment and other things like that. Um, so THC has obviously got a bad rap over the years. Uh, it's the one that makes you feel enlightened. It makes the one that makes you feel lit. The one that makes you feel lucid. Whatever you feel from cannabis is usually due to THC. So a CBD product, CBD products are big now. The word for CBD products, what is it? Non-intoxicating nowadays? Non-intoxicating. So it's still considered psychoactive, 
in a way that it can alter your psyche. So people, they take CBD and they feel better. Say they get pain relief. Well, that pain relief is considered a uplifting, I guess. I mean, if you're not in pain, you're going to be feeling right, good. You're so be feeling generally people better. are now saying that, okay, since it makes you feel better, it changes your state of consciousness, um, changes your mental state. So it is psychoactive. So knowing those terms going forward can help you out greatly. So when people start saying CBD is psychoactive, don't demonize it like the people in you know the 1920s did, because it's not that bad. What it means by that is it can change your, your state of consciousness into a more positive one, mainly because you feel better because you're not in pain. Right, and that, that's where the medicinal properties are mostly in the CBD, right? Yeah, so it's not gonna make you loopy or not able to drive or anything like that. Um, it's gonna be similar to you taking Tylenol, in right. my opinion. You're not gonna really feel it. The only time you're gonna feel it is when you don't feel the pain or whatever, you know, anxiety, I guess, or any of the effects you're trying to get from it. Right. Um, so with society and everybody kind of pulling apart these different cannabinoids, you're starting to see CBD without THC and they're pulling apart different portions of this. And what it's important to remember is that you should probably be trying to use the plant as a whole due to the entourage effect. So the CBD is gonna work most effectively with the THC together. So if you're seeing like CBD products online that are like hemp based, those are still going to have medicinal benefits, but the, the product works better together, correct? Absolutely, yeah. And there's a whole bunch of science behind it. Um, they talk about how uh, CBD actually is not a agonist or antagonist of any of the endocannabinoid system, which is a huge shock to most people. Um, what it does have is downstream properties, meaning that it doesn't affect that actual receptor system but downstream through different channels opening, it can affect it. THC, however, is um, active with the endocannabinoid system. And um, so what they say is you need THC to basically enhance or make the onset of CBD and its medicinal properties happen quicker and more robustly because it's opening multiple receptor channels. So that is kind of like the in-depth version, but really you got to look at it as THC is an enhancer of CBD and CBD is an enhancer of THC. They work synergistically together to create the benefits you're trying to get out of the product, medicinally or recreationally. Um, and so that's a huge one that is extremely important going forward to keep in mind because there's a lot of products being pushed right now. CBD is the, the godsend and the cure for all. And you have to still realize that THC is a huge part of these, uh, the studies that are going on, especially for epilepsy. Um, CBD or THC is almost a necessary ingredient in any kind of uh, epileptic medication. Interesting. Yeah, so I think just being an educated consumer is very important going forward just because of those distinctions. Well, right, and there's just so much, so many new products and, you know, claims being made right now that it's hard to determine, you know, what's true or not. Yeah, and I think there's a huge flood on the CBD market right now. Um, and yes, CBD does have a ton of medical benefits and I stand behind all of them. Um, but I think you're seeing an artificial flood of products in the market mainly because it's a lot easier to bring a CBD product to market than it is a product with THC. THC is still federally illegal everywhere except for those 29 states where there's um, medical or uh, recreational cannabis. And so in other states, CBD is allowed where THC is not. And CBD now is a worldwide international product. So you have to realize that the reason you're seeing a lot of CBD pop up is because of the business aspect of it. Because it's a lot easier to put a CBD product in front of a consumer nowadays than it is a THC product. So right. just because you're seeing a lot of it doesn't always mean it's a good thing. There's other things happening in the back end 
um, so you understand why you're seeing CBD pop up and it's like this godsend all of a sudden. Right. It's really is, but you still need to... We need to take it like with a grain of salt. Like exactly. it's not just the end all be all. Exactly. Okay. So we have THC and CBD. And then there's also hundreds of other cannabinoids in the plant as well that we're starting to become more aware of. THCA, CBDA, what, CBD, CBN, CBG. There's a bunch of them. But it's most important for us to understand those two to begin with. So that is the cannabis plant itself. So what I think we should move into now is maybe like the strains, more about like sativa indica hybrids, that type of information. Yeah. Okay. So we, we stumbled across some stuff on Leafly, and they have a good resource on Leafly, um, Cannabis 101. Uh, so if you're more of a reader, go ahead and head to Leafly. Um, you can educate yourself pretty easily, but if you're a listener, that's why we're kind of doing this, is just to give you the information right now. So they have a super cool question, which I asked Lucy, and uh, she was kind of dumbfounded, so we thought, why not ask you guys, but what makes a cannabis strain unique? Um, that is a very deep question. Lucy's first answer, I think, was, oh, THC. And I said, well, you're kind of right, yeah. And then I'm not sure what else I said. But... <laughs> I had no good answers, really. So, um, but seriously, like, what makes the cannabis strains unique? Yeah. Or the plant? Or I don't even know what the question is. Yeah, so what makes the cannabis strain unique? Okay. And that leads off, or builds right off what we're just talking about. It is the cannabinoid profile, and most importantly, the terpene profile uh-huh. of that strain that makes it unique. Right. Um, so the cannabinoid profile and terpene profile are going to be judged from its genetics. And what people do over time is they breed different genetics for different properties, um, for different smells. And those smells are your terpenes. Um, and so, okay. And so what, what is a terpene? Well, we'll get to that. Oh, we're not there yet. Yeah, Jesus. terpene, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so we'll get to that. We're not there um, yet. If, you, if you're tired of waiting, just Google it now. <laughs> and learn. But uh, <laughs> Lucy, well, I'm already on to the Google next it. topic. So your cannabis strain is made up of those different compounds, your cannabinoids, your terpenes, and all those things in different ratios make up the different percentages of that compound and give it its unique uh, flavor, smell, taste, look, appearance, all that stuff. It's medicinal properties, everything. It's no different than you go and eat a tomato and compare it to an apple. They're totally different because of the different properties that make it up. I would also argue it's also how it was grown, which is going to make <clears throat> its strain unique as well because it's going to pick up those properties. Well, yeah. But something's um, chemically grown versus something being live soil grown. That bud is going to have a certain properties compared to the other strain. Absolutely. So that's a whole other conversation. But uh, we can, we'll touch on it. So it's no different than you look at the human body and nutrition's huge in the human body. You have to give your body what it needs for it to perform and function properly. If you have too much calcium, you're going to have issues there. If you don't have enough, you're going to have issues. The exact same in the cannabis plant. Um so the main differences with uh, what Lucy talks about with, um, you know, like living soils and things like that um, are actually pretty simple. Um, it's no different than if the cannabis plant was growing like it was 10,000 years ago in a field somewhere in Africa or in East Asia somewhere in the ground. It was naturally there to start with. So it pulls all of its nutrients from the ground. The plant already knows exactly what it needs. If the nutrients are available, it's going to take up those different nutrients from the root zone and support the plant to grow properly. Um, that has changed, though, in recent years with hydroponic growing. So what people will do is they'll just put the roots in, like, a water bath, essentially, to aerate the water. And then they will feed into that water different nutrient compounds, usually, like, single nutrients, um, your main ones, your calcium, magnesium, things like that, Um and essentially what I look at that is like you're force feeding the plant and that you're dictating what it's getting 
because you're controlling what you're putting in. When in living soil, that's different in that you're putting in the soil and uh, the plant has its own chance to take up whatever it needs, whatever's in that soil and whatever ratio it needs. Um, the other big difference also is the, uh, the microbiome that's a part of that soil and the different um, nematodes and things a part of that soil that help to break down uh, macronutrients into smaller ones and create a uh, kind of a better root zone for that plant that makes it easier for the plant to uptake nutrients properly. Um, it's a game changer for a plant. Any grower out there is going to know that. And I am not a grower, so I would encourage you to uh, seek further information if you want to know the, the more detailed um, or shoot us an email with a specific question and we can get back to you. Um, but either way, living soil is huge because it's the natural way of doing it. It's way better than you being hooked up to an IV in a hospital and then spoon feeding you stuff through oh, an IV. that's what hydroponics that's is. exactly what hydroponics is, yeah. <laughs> and the reason that is, it's not knocking hydroponic growers. Um, the reason that is, is because of uh, prohibition. Um, when it became federally illegal to grow cannabis, what do you think people had to do? They had to go underground to do it. They couldn't be growing a 36-acre field of cannabis and not you know, stay at, up at night thinking somebody's going to find it pretty easily. Right. What they do, they went and grew in their basement. Um, you can't really support a living ecosystem in your basement. <laughs> so what people do is they um, grow hydroponically. Uh, hydroponics was the easiest way to grow indoors, and that's kind of where indoor cannabis got its birth was because of prohibition. Um, so really, anytime you can source some naturally grown outdoor cannabis, that's key. The next step is you can't find any outdoor cannabis. I would search for greenhouse-grown cannabis that's soil-grown, and then after that, can't find that. I would specifically look for indoor-grown, living, soil-grown cannabis. Right. Um, but I think outdoor cannabis, sun-grown the natural way, in the living, the native soil is the best way to go. So, long, so long story, story short. short. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so long story short, you, the plant is going to take upon characteristics of how it was grown. So just being aware of that when you're a consumer, talking to your dispensaries is important because those characteristics are going to affect you in a certain type of way, whether positive or negative. So just being aware of that as a whole. That's another aspect that's going to make the cannabis strain unique. So I feel like we still haven't answered that question. We've <laughs> done the rabbit hole with that one. So essentially, the long story short, how your cannabis is grown, thank you, Lucy, does dictate how the strain turns out 100%. Um, so for instance, if you're growing in an outdoor environment, that strain is going to have more stresses, which stresses are actually good for a plant. So pest stresses, if there's you know a lot of bugs that are on the plant, if the wind's blowing the plant a lot, the wind actually stress the plant. What does stress do for a cannabis plant? It makes the cannabis plant produce THC, CBD, cannabinoids, and mainly terpenes to protect it. So terpenes are usually used as a protection for a plant. Um, and so anytime you can stress out a plant more, you're going to have more of the robust compounds on that plant to make it unique, your terpenes and your cannabinoids. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of glad you brought that up, so that's a huge yeah. part of it. So when you look at a blue dream, what is a blue dream? A blue dream is obviously dictated from its genetics, but then from its genetics, it's going to produce a certain um, phenotype, physical characteristic of that genetic that comes across in its look, so its color. And its smell, which is its terpene profile. Okay. And then its smoke, which is its cannabinoid and terpene profile mixed together. All right, but we're jumping ahead too much because maybe people don't even know what Blue Dream is. 
So let's go back. Everybody Let, knows what Blue Dream everybody is. Everybody doesn't. So <laughs> if anybody's wondering what Blue Dream is, it's an indica strain. So what we're going to do is go is over the difference between Blue sativa. Blue hybrid. Okay, it's a hybrid. Great. <laughs> so we're going to go over the difference between sativa, indica, and hybrids. Jared. Perfect. Start so this is definitely going to be one of those things that changes into the future because sativa, indica, hybrid, it is generic terms given to a plant many years ago. Um, everything now has been overbred so much for THC that we've lost a lot of the true genetics. Um, and so in the industry now we just, we joke, but it's really not joking that everything is a hybrid. Um, what a hybrid means is that it's a mix of both sativa and indica. Um, typically if you go back and you want the basics, sativa are uh, uplifting strains. They're kind of the ones that are said to keep you awake, give you energy, uplift you, make you more creative, things like that. Indica strains are more of a body high. You're not going to feel it so much in your brain. You're going to feel it more in your body to where you just want to relax. It's more of like, what do they say? Indica couch, indica. Mm -hmm. So you want to just kind of hang out. You kind of, you shouldn't couch stay, but like, lock. yeah, couch lock, lazy stoner, typical look with the indica. Um, that thing has changed a lot and indicas now are used for sleep a lot um, or to relieve an anxious mind. There's a lot of people that don't want to feel the highs from it and don't want to feel the cerebral effects, so they'll smoke an indica to relax at night. And there's some people that can handle it without going to sleep. And hybrids are kind of the best of both worlds. You know, Blue Dream is a hybrid. That's why Blue Dream is probably it is the number one seller in Colorado, most popular strain. Um, but doesn't it have indica characteristics more so? So uh, like actually, yeah, Blue Dream is actually sativa leaning hybrid, and that just goes back to really knows at this point. Blue Dream. Um, so a lot of people get good results for, from Blue Dream. Blue Dream is also the go-to for edibles. Um, typically people look for a certain ratio in edibles. Um, edibles typically hit you harder so they make you sleep. So what companies will typically do with um, edibles is make a sativa leaning. So it gives you that little bit more uplifting effect for an edible so that they don't put you right to sleep. Um, so they typically look for like a 60-40 or 70-30 ratio, meaning that 70% sativa, 60% sativa, um, and 40% indica or 30% indica respectively. Okay, so but this is why I don't like this sativa indica. Because look, this says that um, that it has full body relaxation with gentle cerebral invigoration. So to me, that is indica dominant because of the body relaxation. So... Moral who of really this knows unless you nobody really knows. I mean, people are working on it in California now. Um, there's some a lot of genetic testing going on, and there's a lot of people out there testing facilities combining now terpenes and doing testing on terpenes because they think the effects are more derivative of terpenes than just you know indica sativa. Because what right. does that really you know? In, that's what I'm saying. Indica sativa don't really mean anything. It doesn't anymore. mean anything anymore, and it's going to change in the future. For so, sure. what is a better way to gauge? What is a good cannabis strain for you? What would you use instead? Terpenes? Uh, to this day, if people still want the 100% truth, it's, it's self-titrating. It's going out and finding strains that work well for you. And how do you figure out what strain works well for you, though, right? What, what are we using? The yeah, terpenes. The terpenes, yeah. So right. this guy the other day, I was at a dispensary and we are buying, and um, I was talking about some strains that I've seen Cheezel and I'm loving Cheezel after watching Grandma's Boy. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm always searching for Cheezel. So I'm like, I'm going to get some Cheezel. And this guy next to me, um, he's about to go in and he looks over and says, what's good in there, you know? And so I tell him, you know, Cheezel and this other one, Girl Scout Cookies, I was looking at. 
Um, and I said, but don't take my word for it, man. I said, go in there. You're totally different. The best thing you could do is you could smell it. And if your body likes it and it feels good to your body when you smell it, it's probably going to work good for you because your biochemistry plays a huge role in your experience with cannabis. And so it's no different that if you go, you know, taste the lemon and it's sour, your body's probably like, I don't really want this lemon. Um, if you taste something else and it's really good, um, your body likes it, it may be good for your body. Um, same thing with cannabis. If it smells well, it's for one, probably going to smoke good. And two, if you really like it and the smell works well for you, your body's probably really going to like it as well. Right. But even beyond that, you still have to use the product to see how it works. Definitely. Because then different products are going to give you different effects. If you're eating an edible, you're going to have a totally different effect from a strain-specific effect than if you're just smoking you know, a raw flower. You're not going to have the same effect. Right. Just because the consumption methods are different. Um, so there's really... I mean, this is what people are working on in the future, I think, is identifying the different pieces and parts of cannabis to determine, you know, how does it work in the body synergistically together and how does this look like on a, a big picture so that we can get it in the hands of the people that, that need it. If somebody's looking for anxiety, what does that look like in a cannabis strain? You know, there's no strains just called anxiety treatment number one that you go buy and right. set. Um, so, I mean, right now, I guess Leafly is probably the best resource. If you're looking for a specific effect, I think you can go search it. It'll lead you to um, certain strains that have a, uh, a profile that matches what you're looking for. Um, but just keep in mind, a lot of that information where strains are used specifically for certain things, it's all anecdotal evidence. It's no different than me or Lucy smoking it and saying oh yeah, I had anxiety before I smoked this and I smoked this and I didn't have anxiety after and that's kind of where they're taking it off of from that. Right. Um, but even then, crowdsourcing is never a bad thing. So it's better than nothing at this point. Check out Leafly. <laughs> Check them out. <laughs> <laughs> Leafly plug. All right. So let's see here. All right. So we just went over the cannabis plant, which is the flower, which is the buds that most people are aware of. But now that we've come into legalization, we have a whole nother aspect to the game, which is concentrates. And it's very confusing. There's so many different options. I don't even know half of them. So what I think we should do is kind of just generally go over a couple of them. Maybe just explain, you know, the difference between them or like how they're created and things like that. So like start with like wax, like what is wax or whatever. So the big picture of wax is wax is essentially just the waxy compounds of a plant that is given to you through an extraction. So wax is typically produced through uh, BHO or PHO. Which is? Um, butane or propane, hydrocarbon extraction. Okay. Um, hydrocarbon meaning it's a hydrocarbon chain, similar to gasoline, it's volatile gas. Probably not the best thing to be screwing around with at home. <laughs> and that's where a lot of it gets the bad rap is because guess what? People have been screwing <laughs> around with this shit at home. themselves up at home. <laughs> yes. And so there's a huge stigma against it. Um, not a big fan of BHO and PHO myself just because I've had my fair share of experiences with smoking wax or shatter and it lighting on fire and it just being kind of sketched to be totally honest. Right. But on that same note, there's still a huge amount of consumers that prefer concentrates mainly because concentrates are what they are. They're a concentrated version of THC, CBD, THCV, anything they're looking for, it's concentrated. So the high is going to be more intense. Right. Um, so I think that's the first thing that people have to take note of is that when you're smoking a concentrate, the high is going to be a lot more intense 
than you're probably used to with smoking a joint, possibly. And that just goes back to knowing your dosing. You know, start small. Don't go take a one gram dab or something like that. Um, and even your butt tenders are a great resource if you never smoked before. Ask them how much of this, you know, portion wise, should I be smoking on my first dab? Right. Um, but wax, yeah. So wax and shatter to me are, are similar products. They're made the same way. BHO, PHO. There's just different ratios of BHO, PHO that can produce different products, like a crumble or a butter or a uh, a sugar or anything like that. So it's all the same product, just extracted in a different way? It's extracted in a different method. So it's using the same gases, um, the same starting compound, which is typically a trim or a sugar leaf trim or a, a whole bud product, a flower. Um, they'll put it into a vessel, they'll pump a bunch of this gas through there at a certain temperature and pressure. Um, and then with hydrocarbon, temperature, pressure, not too terribly important, not as important as CO2, I guess. But uh, hydrocarbon, they just pump it through in a certain amount of time. The hydrocarbons getting into the canvas break the different bonds in the cell walls and releases these compounds that come out. Uh, and then you have the different products, wax and shatter. So different ratios of butane, propane, different lengths of time, different types of product will produce different um, types of concentrates of wax shatter. Um, okay. And it's all depending on the starting form of the cannabis. If a cannabis plant is typically more waxy when you extract it, it's going to be obviously like a wax. Things like that. Oh, interesting. So if you were a consumer going into the dispensary, so same kind of argument we just had about the cannabis, like what are you looking for? Is there like a certain attraction? Is it back to the smell? Like what is it that you're looking for in these concentrates to pick the one that would be best for you? Yeah, so surprisingly, um, there's some cannabis companies that have done an excellent job of marketing, um, which is not always a good thing. And sometimes it is for that company. So nowadays what people look for is they look for potency for one potency is a huge dictator mainly people will buy higher potency stuff because they look at it as you know like the price and the more they can get for their money the better okay. so people typically go after price not the best choice in my opinion because price is not always the 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 best thing to be judging um the other thing is the color of that product people typically want to see a clearer product or for a wax and shadow they want to see a golden color um what that golden color typically reveals is a, the age of the plant. If it's older, this concentrate will typically be darker. Um, and also, I mean, the reason it's darker most of the time is because there's more plant material, meaning the green plant material you associate with the cannabis plant, that is still in the concentrate. And so um, the, the main thing you're looking for is the color because you're, you know, you're looking for freshness, you want something that's gold. Um, the color, though, it can totally depend because then if people are looking for the full spectrum, um, meaning there's more plant compounds in that, it's going to be darker no matter what. Right. And so you have to know what you're buying. If you see a darker product and they call it full spectrum, and then next to it you have a wax that's stripped of all the plant material and somebody's just looking for potency in a wax, it's going to be gold. Two totally different products. You're looking for two totally different effects. Me personally, I would go after the darker one because it's a whole plant. You're going to have more full spectrum, more of the synergistic effect. In the long run, your high is probably going to be higher. Um, but then again, it's, it's preference. And like I said, companies have done a great job marketing golden product. And so kudos to them. Um, but I would encourage everybody to educate themselves. And a darker product is not always a bad thing. Cool. And lower potency is not always a bad thing either. If there's different right. cannabinoids in that product. Definitely. All right. So what about um, live resin? So yeah, live resin is a little different too. Live resin is different, and you get the name live, um, meaning that the plant was cut down and immediately frozen cryogenically while it was live, 
uh, right after his live. And then uh, that plant was taken after fresh frozen live and it ex extracted. So essentially when you extract it and the end compound you get, which is a live resin, um, the compounds that are in there, the cannabinoids, the terpenes, are exactly what that plant was when it was harvested. That is a huge deal for people who understand the drying and curing process um, and that a lot of your monoterpenes are actually lost during the dry cure. But then again, there's other trade-offs. There's other people who will say your terpenes come on stronger during a dry cure and you'll actually have a higher terpene uh, concentration if you follow a dry cure than if you just fresh flash freeze it with, uh, with nitrogen and then turn it into a live resin. So again, there's, there's different sides to the, the argument there. But um, either way, live resin is a super cool product. It's usually full spectrum, obviously, because you're extracting everything all together. And it's the exact, basically, moment in time that plant was cut down. Um, people call that the sauce nowadays. Oh, that's um, sauce. Some people can be converted into sauce a little bit. If people let the, the crystals grow, that's where you get sauce from. Um, have full spectrum. Um, I think live resin is a good product. It came on the market really hard. People love it. The flavor's there. There's now Pax pods and other type of pods with live resin in it. Really? So it's a cool product, yeah. It's really just mind-blowing how many different ways we can extract and utilize the cannabis plant. I mean, there's so many different options out there. People have got creative. For, for sure. sure. <laughs> Jinx. Huh? Um, so some other things. What else you got? So That's all I got. Um, there's a lot of products, obviously. There's vape cartridges. Vape cartridges are one of the top products in the market right now beyond flour. Um, I think a lot of that is convenience and... Um, the fact that there's some really damn good vape carts in the market right now. Uh, you got so is a vape cartridge dabbing? That's my main question. Good question. I would say no. Because dabbing, what, like, what are you physically doing when well, you're dabbing? Well, you're I, dabbing. I understand that, but, <laughs> so but the concept. Well, is it the same product? Like is this oil, what is this oil that we're consuming in comparison to a concentrate? Yes and no. I would never smoke a vape pen if it was extracted from BHO or PHO. Okay. I'm just not a big fan of BHO or PHO. Right. Probably not good long term for the environment for one and for your body too, which I hope you care about your body first. Maybe flop those around. Um, but take for instance, I'm holding Eureka Vapor. They, um, they make a couple products. One they call the Amber Oil. Their Amber Oil is CO2 extracted and there's basically a couple steps in between um, after they extract it, uh, you know, winterize a product and turn it into an oil that's smokable through vape cartridge. Um, typically those are lower potencies between 60 and 80%, but they contain a little bit more of the plant compounds so you kind of can get more of that full terpene, the natural feel of the plant through an amber oil. Nowadays though, what everybody's going to is what's called a distillate. Right. And so there's multiple methods for how you can get to a distillate. Distillate is essentially people distilling cannabis ex extract down to an oil. Um, an oil form that's basically stripped of all its properties. And all they're doing, in my opinion, is looking for the most potent oil. So distillates are usually 90 plus percent THC or CBD or whatever product you're looking for. They're 90 plus concentration, um, meaning that 90% of that oil is going to contain THC. The other 10% can contain terpenes or other cannabinoids or inert material um, like cell wall and stuff like that, cellulose, waxes, things like that. That's where you're going to get your color left in. Um, but typically, mainly distillate carts and CO2 carts nowadays. Like I said, now they have um, live resin cartridges. There is some distillate you can find that is produced um, by way of BHO or PHO extraction, hydrocarbon extraction first. 
basically all they're doing is they're taking that product, extracting it. Most people run it through uh, an ethanol wash, which strips it of a lot of the things. And then they run it through what's called a rotavap or a pope, where they uh, distill at different temperatures, um, different products off based on their boiling point. So it's a whole chemistry lesson on its own. So we won't go right, that, yeah, that sounds complicated <laughs> for sure. Um, but there's a lot of products, vapes, um, dry sift, rosin's a big one. So rosin, they just take the plant in its whole form. So you just take a bud that you would buy a dispensary, put it into a, a rosin press. The rosin uses pressure and heat and it basically just smashes it and squeezes out the, uh, the oil. Then you smoke that and it's rosin. Um, you have all of your edibles and topicals and tinctures, and I think Lucy's probably the best one to talk on those. There's so many different options. This is crazy. <laughs> like, so this could go on forever is really what the problem is. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of a daunting task. I mean, you know, for us that live close to a dispensary, it's not that big of a deal. But for people that don't live in a legalized state, I mean, and then getting exposure to this would be absolutely overwhelming. You know what I mean? Like when I go into a dispensary, I don't even look at the concentrate table because I don't know anything about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so when I, when I started sales of Los Sueños, I was, you know, I go out and sell to product manufacturers that extract to make these products. And I was like putting myself through a super intense crash course my first two months, just trying to understand all the products that were out there. I mean, right. I'm consuming cannabis and I <laughs> right. had been to multiple dispensaries before I even got the job there. And I was like, I should be okay. And no. you show up and you're like, no, <laughs> there's so no, much more. There's so much. Than you had any clue about. Right. There's new stuff every day too. And what you're consuming is also going to depend on what your ailment is or what you're looking for. So, you know, there's a reason why you would be kind of smoking a joint with your friend versus having an edible on your couch on a Sunday evening. Uh, so that's important to be aware of as well and understanding the way your body is going to be affected by your consumption uh, choice. So, for example, recently I've been trying to do a campaign of vaporizer over papers um, and everybody thinks it's silly, but it's really not. Uh, vaporizers are a much more healthy way to consume. Uh, what you're basically doing is decarbonization um, of the cannabis. So you're gonna you're not smoking the actual plant matter. So when you smoke out of a pipe, it's gonna turn black and you're literally consuming all of that. In a vaporizer, all it's doing is heating up the plant and removing the cannabinoids and allowing you to consume them at a much higher level than you would with a regular pipe or a joint. So for somebody who might have like cancer, that's a really good way for them to consume because they're getting more benefits from the plant. Now, if you're trying to, if you have really high levels of pain or like you're in chronic pain or something like that, a dab might be more effective for you because it's going to give you a more immediate relief than per se a joint would. Or same thing with an edible. Those I feel like give you a little bit deeper of a sensation, more of a body high for sure. Um, and then what other options do we have? That's really most of them. Um, I like like pens for convenience. So it's also kind of just, you know, where you're at. If you need to, if you're not trying to make your freaking whole house stink or your car stink, maybe, you know, vaporizers are better versus smoking a joint, things like that. Yeah. Well, I brought it up with, with an Andrew's episode about social consumption. And I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. So I'll keep this <laughs> Brief. in line. But, so vape carts are super cool because you could utilize them anywhere and people really don't say much nowadays. Right. Um, so the whole social consumption thing is huge. Maybe you can't 
be ripping a joint in the middle of the street downtown Denver, but you can discreetly take a pen, yeah. take a puff of your pen, and you're fine. I don't think you're going to go to jail. Right. So and honestly, I've been I've been realizing that as well. You know, um, I've been I'm going to be teaching a couple of more yoga classes, and one of the locations that we're going to be at particularly. Um, there's an issue, you know, with the Clean Air Act, and I totally get it. I mean, having that many people smoking in one room, it gets smoky. And, you know, if you have asthma or any kind of, like, eye, you know, irritants or anything like that, it's annoying. And, you know, I think I was at an event a while back, and somebody was smoking a joint by me, and I was, I'm all about smoking joints, but I'm like, you know, that is kind of just in my face. And like, what if I didn't want that smoke there? You know what I mean? So it's definitely inconsiderate to a point. And I do kind of get that. I mean, it's the same thing with cigarette smoke. I wouldn't want somebody smoking a cigarette in front of my face either way, you know? So I do get that point, And I think that vaporizers do address that issue for sure. And it's a healthier, more effective way of smoking either way. Yeah, so... Uh, I think y'all should get on Lucy's national campaign, Vapor Over Paper. And hashtag. Hashtag. If I need to mention it again, Vapor <laughs> Over Paper. <laughs> it's a great campaign, you guys. It's great. No, I mean, it has a great purpose, too. Um, and I really think that'll be the, the future of cannabis is, is Vapor Over Paper, mainly because I think the uh, even cigarettes and tobacco are slowly dying. There's a huge move away from that just because of the health concerns. Um, and vaporizer, as far as we know, is a healthy alternative to that. For sure. And still, I was even looking this morning, and it's something on the lines of almost 70% of cannabis is still consumed through inhalation. So let that sink in. 48% of cannabis is smoked in a natural flower form. Um, the other, what, 22% to make up that 70 is smoked in a concentrate form. And only 30% is utilized through tinctures, topicals, edibles, things like that. Right. Very, very eye-opening. And so um, I don't think that's going anywhere. People are trying to you know, say, oh, let's get rid of inhalable cannabis. It's not going to go anywhere. So what you got to do is you got to look for smarter ways to inhale cannabis. Definitely. I think it's cool now just to throw this out. There's the aero inhaler. Yeah, those are so um, tight. I think it's made by Quest, Con- Quest Concentrates. Genius, a, really. No, it's It's great. Um, there's a number of benefits from it. I guess your mucous membrane um, in the back of your throat absorbs it pretty good and the particles are made to a certain size so it absorbs quickly in your body. Um, you utilize something astronomical as far as the bioavailability of the cannabis. Um, it sounds like you get more for your money. There's just multiple benefits to it, honestly. Well, and it's so discreet. I mean, you can take that with you anywhere. Nobody yeah, knows. Absolutely. You have THC, so, so. This isn't even a product pitch. This is the real deal. I think it's <laughs> a great product level. that you guys should probably check out. No, yeah. It is next level yeah. Check sure. out Arrow Inhaler. Is that what it's called? Yeah. We'll post yep. a link somewhere. Check them we'll out. We'll tag them. We'll put it up in our story. Check them out. Good stuff. Yeah, and if anybody has any new and innovative products that they're into or want to showcase on our show, let us know. We're always open to new and exciting ideas um, and see where they go. Yeah, I had some Rob Hots. <laughs> Rob Hots? <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Just AKA maybe robots, we're I, not sure. I believe they're, they're called robots. <laughs> um, I'm sure everybody's familiar with them. If you're not, it's another one that you check out. Um, I think it's just cool because I can't get their name right, so it's <laughs> stuck in my brain. <laughs> but it's a gummy. Um, it was probably one of the best gummies I've had because it just hits you and you feel it, but you don't feel that bad. The next day, there's no hangover. Um, there's a big up and ups to uh, to robots, robots, whatever you want to call them. Check them out. If you work for them, let us know. If you work for them, yeah, <laughs> let us, us know. Up. 
I consume a lot of them, so. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that was super educational and informative. So hopefully everybody kind of got the cannabis low down 101 uh, from our last 10 episodes. And again, we really appreciate you all listening in and tuning into all of our episodes and hopefully future. And with that said, uh, we're going to be out in Cali in a couple of weeks. So June 21st through 24th. Uh, we'll be out in Cali, Marina Del Rey, LA area. Uh, we'll be teaching. Uh, I'll be teaching a light and lit yoga class on Hermosa Beach. So if y'all are in Cali, hit us up. We'd love to podcast, smoke sesh, yoga, hang out, any of the above. Uh, reach us at litandlucid at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. We're always available. Uh, so yeah, if you're in Cali, we'd love to connect for sure. Yeah. No, mainly, if you're in Cali, we're coming out there to get a picture of the scene out in Cali, <laughs> figure out what it's about. Um, so what we would love more than anything is for you guys to tell us what we should be looking at, dispensaries we need to be going to, products we need to try, people we need to talk to. If we need to be somewhere in California, you let us know where that needs to be, and we'll be there. Um, we are dedicated to our fans greatly, and uh, we're here for you guys. So hit us up. And... I don't think this will be the only cannabis one-on-one class we're going to have. So if we missed anything, let us know. Um, hit us up in our email. It's on all our different accounts. We mentioned it a couple times. Um, if there's anything crazy that you know about that we probably don't know about, definitely let us know. And I'm sure in the next 10 episodes or so, we'll have another recap on some new things we learned. Yeah. Um, so we appreciate you guys hanging in there. Like I said, check out all the past episodes if you haven't. We've had some incredible guests on extremely knowledgeable people and those people have not stopped creating and kicking ass since we've talked to them so follow right. up on them um see what they're doing on the daily and uh like i said keep following us keep giving us the love um we appreciate everything you guys do for us seriously though all of our guests are still kicking ass like every day ass. like every day i see something <laughs> hunter page andrew chloe ricardo we see you all of you you guys you. are killing it Kent, you're out there. Kent, freaking Aaron, Canna Brand. <laughs> everybody's stepping their game up, and we're proud. Um, that's what we're all about. And I know there's going to be some future people that don't even know it yet. They're probably listening. Maybe they haven't listened. But to everybody out there who else is hustling, kicking ass, keep doing it. Keep grinding. It's all worth it. Um, and we're proud of you at Lit and Listen. We see you. We support you. All right. And with that said, I'm Lit. I'm Lucid. And this is episode 11. Have Ladies. a good one. Mm.